1: Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 28 in the Common English Bible. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, it was the choice of the one who subjected it, but in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not the not only the creation— we ourselves who have the spirit as the first crop of the harvest also grown inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. The one who searches hearts knows how the Spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints, consistent with God's will. We know that God works all things together for good, for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. The word of God for the people of God.
0: Thank you, Sharon, for reading our scripture this morning. Years ago, when our congregation was still in the planning phase for our building project and our eventual move, we spent each week in the season of Lent, exploring the story of the, of the exodus, of the story of God leading people from a place of oppression in Egypt, through a wilderness journey, and to the promised land. We did this to prepare ourselves for our time in the wilderness, when we would not have a place to call home. We're very grateful for the hospitality here at First Vietnamese United Methodist Church, But we know that with the arrival of the COVID pandemic in 2020, it dramatically altered our hopes and expectations of this time in the wilderness. We spent almost a full year in exile as we worshipped virtually with no in-person gatherings. And then we began worshipping here in this beautiful sanctuary on Saturday afternoons and now on on Saturday mornings. By Easter of next year, we will be able to go home again. We will worship together in person and online simultaneously so that folks who are at home are worshiping at the same moment that we are in person. We'll be able to gather together as one body in many places on Easter Sunday. This experience of being scattered apart through COVID and our move will allow us to experience being gathered again on Easter Sunday. This experience of exile and return connects us with other ancient stories of our ancestors in faith. Throughout the Hebrew scriptures, there are different stories of separation, sometimes from their homeland, sometimes from one another, and sometimes from their faith. And in each of those stories of separation, there is the story of return. Return to home, return to reconciliation, and return to faith. Sometimes this journey of separation is long. During the physical exile by the Babylonians, it was 70 years until the people of God could return home again. In our United Methodist heritage, we have experienced schisms over the years. During the Civil War here in the United States, what had been the Methodist Episcopal Church split along the north and south lines. In fact, our Central United Methodist began as a central, I'm sorry, it began as Central Methodist Episcopal Church South. And it wasn't until 1939 that the ME, the ME South, and the Methodist Protestant Church were able to unite together as the Methodist Church. This morning, we held a special annual conference where 120 United Methodist churches asked to leave with the blessing of the conference. Some will unite with another Methodist denomination. Some will remain independent congregations. And so it is a hard morning to think about this exile and return. We don't know if 100 years from now, the people called Methodists will find a way through our current conflict and will once again unite together. But what we do know is that God is bigger than human conflict. God is bigger than one or two human generations of exile. God is bigger than the feeling of restlessness and disconnection that we experienced over the last couple of years because of COVID. God is so much bigger than all of this. And God has given us the gift of the church as a place to call home. Even though we do not have our own building at the moment, the church is not the building. The church is the people of God bound together by God's love that unites us as one body. And so for that reason, for the next four weeks in our worship series, we're going to look at these stories of exile, returning home, and then being sent back out again. God does not desire us to come home and stay there forever. God desires us to find a place to be rooted in our identity as beloved children of God. And then to go back out into the world in mission to others. In mission to others who feel disconnected from God. Who feel disconnected from other humans. Who feel disconnected from a community of faith. And so we look to this future return to our building with the spirit of hope. We begin with St. Paul writing to the Romans. He wrote, We are saved in hope. If what we hope for, if we see what we hope for, that is not hope. Who hopes for what they already see? If we hope for what we don't see, we will wait with it with patience. Now I will admit, I have not always been patient on our journey to seeing this building built. There have been moments of frustration and impatience. But it is absolutely incredible as we look back over our journey together to reflect on what God has done, what God is doing, and to dream about the future that God has for us. We are waiting for this future with hope. And if we're hoping for something in the future, that means that we want something different than our present reality. If we want the future to be different than the present is right now, then we need to embrace and expect change. There was a study by a Harvard psychologist named Dr. Daniel Gilbert, and he surveyed over 19,000 people, and he discovered that people of all ages grossly underestimate the extent to which they would change in the future. In his TED talk, The Psychology of Your Future Self, he explains a bias that we have. He says that we tend to think the person we are today is the person we will always be. Most people, when asked if they are the same person they were 10 years ago, will say no. They're different today than they were 10 years ago. But we have a much harder time Seeing potential for change in the future. Dr. Gilbert and others refer to this as an end of history illusion. Despite our awareness that our past self is clearly different from our present self, we tend to think that who we are right now in this moment is the final version of ourself and that our future self will be basically the same as we are today. Dr. Gilbert puts it simply this way, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. Now, while Dr. Gilbert's work was specifically focused on individuals, I think we can easily see how this parallels to communities, particularly communities of faith. We can see how communities think that they are works in progress that have reached the final end of that progression. Last month, I started taking a course for continuing education, and it got into the details about congregations seeking God's vision for their future. And in that, there was a chart that shows the life cycle of a congregation. So, Apollinaire, thank you for bringing that up for everyone. Mm -hmm. So, it may be a little too small in the room to see, but hopefully the folks at home can see clearly. This shows a progression, beginning with vision, The vision God gives to someone to start a church, to start a ministry, to lead a church in a direction that God is sending them. That vision from God leads to growth. And then there's a time where the growth slows down and plateaus and you enter maintenance. Everything is working well. Things are exactly as they should be. We have fulfilled the vision, so let's maintain that vision. But if you keep following the trajectory according to the statistics. It shows that the next step after maintenance is decline. And the one after that is recognized decline until finally we arrive at crisis or death. Now, statistically, church membership and participation has been declining across the U.S. for almost two decades. This is across denominational lines. For many individual congregations, the COVID pandemic interrupted their life cycle. There were churches that were in the growth phase that all of a sudden had to plateau and figure out how to maintain life because everything about church was different. There were churches that had just started to shift from maintenance into decline, and they rapidly went into crisis mode. As a denomination in the United Methodist Church, we, on the whole, have been in crisis mode for a few years because of all of the disaffiliation conflict. But what disrupts this life cycle? You can see that there is a moment just past maintenance, before you get to decline, where there is a disruption with renewed vision. This renewed vision is an understanding of what God is giving to the church to do in that present moment in the future. The vision that began the growth was right for that moment, but then when you fulfill the vision, it is time to seek God's vision for the future. It is about taking one faithful step on the journey that God has for each individual congregation. Next month, we're going to be debuting a new website. And as part of this, Gentucci wrote our story to summarize the faithful steps that our congregation has taken over the last two decades. They sound so simple an act of mercy and compassion by passing out a blanket to a person living on the streets. This led to more acts of compassion by making sandwiches to feed people who are hungry, serving donuts and coffee, giving away free bottled water. Each faithful step leading to the next that eventually led us to our feeding ministry that brought in our nonprofit partners who helped folks make the transition from streets to stability. And this feeding ministry is what allowed us to imagine the redevelopment of our property as a place that could include committed, affordable housing, in addition to space to worship God and to serve others. In 2014, Reverend Cobb retired, and the bishop sent me to help discover the next faithful step that would take us down that path toward a new building. For the last few years, Jean and I have looked at drawings on paper, That would represent the space where we we will worship and where we will serve and where we will welcome our neighbors. But it's only been in the last few months that I can walk down hallways and climb stairs that now exist because of those dreams God gave this congregation so long ago what was a 2D drawing has now become a three-dimensional object that will be a place of transformation for those who come seeking God's hope in our sanctuary and for those who come seeking stability in the affordable housing. I am so proud of this congregation for this journey that began with one faithful step after the other. And I am proud of our leadership board for recognizing this transition moment as we prepare to move into our new building. Last year, they began seeking God's vision for the next chapter in Central's story. You may remember all of the times we were asking you to complete a survey to help us understand who we are so that we could discover who God is calling us to be in this next chapter. So that we can seek a renewed vision for the next season of our life together. On this journey towards God's vision for our next chapter, we've gotten a few moments of clarity so we could prioritize how we want to relaunch our ministry in the spring. But we have also had to sit with so much uncertainty. Uncertainty about when to expect our certificate of occupancy. Uncertainty on whether COVID will spike again in the winter and we might have to rethink or postpone some of our opening, just like we did with our groundbreaking celebration. And uncertainty, what it will be like to share a building that looks and functions so differently from what we've known for the last hundred years. All of this uncertainty can make us feel anxious about what the future holds. And that is why it is so important for us to stand firm On the truth that Paul wrote in our scripture text today. In verse 28, we know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Our hope does not depend on everything going well, our hope does not depend on having things be clear and be going as expected. This scripture is a popular one to turn to when we're anxious because it reminds us that God is capable of bringing good out of even the very worst things. It doesn't promise that bad things won't happen. It simply reorients us to the truth that God can use all things for good. Now, sometimes this verse will be misused to try to tell people who are in pain that things aren't really that bad. God's doing something good. Paul is not diminishing the suffering that we experience in the present moment. He is simply reminding us that God can work good out of suffering. In this letter, he acknowledges the realities of the troubles of this world. He acknowledges that there is sin and evil and suffering But Paul turns to an image of childbirth and the labor pains that come. Who can know pain but a mother bringing life into this world? There is a physical pain that happens, and yet there is a miraculous gift that comes through that experience of pain. It sometimes leaves permanent scars, But through that moment of suffering, the miracle of life emerges. God works for good through all things, even the things that are scary, even the things that hurt, even the things that bring about suffering and pain. There is a much bigger picture going on than what we can see. In our own lives, sometimes it's only in hindsight that we could see God's hand at work through the pain and the suffering that we were living through in a particular season of life. As we move further from the onset of the COVID pandemic, and we acclimate to life with COVID in our midst, I'm starting to hear folks share little moments of, this good thing came out of my time of suffering over the last few years. It doesn't diminish the suffering, but it acknowledges that God is at work for good in all things. On our journey of life, there are all sorts of unexpected twists and turns, but if we are walking the path that God sets before us, it doesn't matter how lost we feel, if we keep taking one faithful step after the other, we are moving towards the vision that God has for us as an individual and as a faith community. As a congregation over the last decade, we have tried to stay grounded in prayer, tried to stay focused on the path God had for us to take. And as we seek this new vision for the next chapter, we will continue to seek the next faithful step. There is a particular prayer practice that very literally allows us to take one faithful step after another. It's called Walking a Prayer Labyrinth. In our new building, we will have a prayer labyrinth on the floor of our fellowship hall. Apollinaire, if you'll show the photo to the folks in the room, and I hope when you came in for worship today, did everybody get a printout? Did you get one, Dainty? Nope, I've got extras. I'll give you one in a minute. What you see on the screen is the exact image that will be on the floor of our fellowship hall. And when you walk a prayer labyrinth, it can feel like you are taking so many twists and turns. But the beautiful thing about a labyrinth, it's not a maze. So often when we hear that word labyrinth, we think about a place that's trying to trick us at every turn, particularly if we watched that movie called Labyrinth. But that is not what a prayer labyrinth is. A prayer labyrinth has one path, from the outside to the very inside heart of God. And it does not matter how many times you turn left or right, how far it feels from the center. If you keep taking one step after another on that one path, there is absolutely no way of getting lost. Now, having said that, I have walked many a prayer labyrinth. And even though I know in my head, uh, I have so many times been walking on that outer circle and think, I must have misstepped somewhere. There's no way that I'm going to get to the center anytime soon. And then I am surprised again when I make one more turn and find myself right there in the middle. So this is a physical prayer practice of taking one step after another. It's an opportunity to then linger in the center so that we can set down those worries or struggles we have carried with us. It's also an opportunity to pick up something new that God has for us. It could be renewed vision for our life. It could be simply an encouraging word. It is an opportunity to practice taking one faithful step after the other. And then after we have lingered in the center there to sit down or to pick up what God has for us, we walk that path again, going back out into the world, ready to be in mission for God. Now, because we don't have a labyrinth to walk today, I have printed this pattern, and we're going to use our fingers to trace from the very outward part to go in and just follow the path with your finger until you get to the center. And then you can linger as long as you would like and then come back out again during that time. I've asked Jomer to time us for three minutes or three and a half minutes. And uh, at annual conference this morning, the bishop had us sitting for three minutes in silence between motions and voting. So I know that three minutes of silence can feel very long. So please don't feel anxious, but know that after three and a half minutes, Jomer will let me know and I will come and close us with a spoken prayer. So this is our opportunity to enter into discernment together about following the path that God has us to take the next faithful step toward our future with hope. Holy God, we give you thanks that you are with us on the journey of our life. We ask that you would give us clarity, that as we continue to seek your vision for our congregation, you would help us to see the future with hope that you have for us. We are grateful for your continued faithfulness to us. And we lift up this prayer in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.